Welcome to Leveraged Lifestyle, the podcast that shares with you the mindset and skill set it takes for you to create your ideal leveraged lifestyle, whatever that might look like for you. Please welcome your host, entrepreneur, world record holder and globetrotter, Catherine Turner. Hi there, leveragers. It is Catherine Turner and thank you so much for joining me on this special second year anniversary episode of Leveraged Lifestyle podcast. It has been a journey and thank you so much for being there along with me. It means the absolute world to me and a massive thank you from the bottom of my heart. And I also want to celebrate with you and we celebrate by giving away gifts. So I've got some fantastic prizes to give away uh, and one winner is going to receive over £2,000 worth of gifts as a thank you to celebrate the second year anniversary of Leverage Lifestyle Podcast. Now, right now, all you need to do is make sure you are following me across Facebook, Instagram and LinkedIn. That's where the competition is going to be held. And as a subscriber, you're already one step ahead of everyone else. Uh, So make sure you uh, listen all the way to the end of how to get involved and to make sure you're in with a chance of winning. And absolutely everyone, because this wouldn't be a birthday celebration. Otherwise, everyone who enters will be uh, getting a super prize and some of our best content that we've never released before. So uh, sit back, relax, enjoy this fantastic episode with uh, essentially our most popular interviewee of the last hundred or so episodes we've now done. Uh, This is uh, my good friend, Jackie Tomes, the property strategist, She has built a £6 million worth portfolio before the age of 30 in just under six years with a team of now nine people. And she's helping other people do the same through her property strategy work. Uh, Just the insights, uh, what we shared, you know, what not to do, what to do, how to build, how to create this leveraged lifestyle through property. It's all in this episode. Uh, I really hope you enjoy it. My interview with Jackie Tomes. Well, welcome Jackie Tomes for the second time to uh, the second special second anniversary episode of Leverage Lifestyle. Thank you so much for taking time out of your travels to be with us here today. It's a real pleasure. So nice to be back with you again, Kat. Just love what you've been doing with this. So uh, yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Oh, great. Well, um, uh, just in case you didn't know, we did a, a very quick poll uh, because it was the second anniversary of the, the, the favourite or the top 10 interviewees from Leverage Lifestyle. There was more than I even realised. Uh, but yeah, we went through the top 10 and um, you came out on top, Jackie. So people wanted to see what you're up to now. So nice. Thanks, everyone. I'll try not to disappoint you <laughs> on the second one. <laughs> it's all good. Well, if anything, I just thought it was like, you know, great because of actually where you are in the world. And I thought it'd be lovely to do, uh, for those who didn't listen to the very first interview we did, uh, for anyone who wants to know, it's episode 14. Uh, back, we recorded that September 2018, which feels like Gosh. a lifetime ago. It does. Um, so yeah, if anyone wants to go back and listen to that, but I uh, just telling Jackie, I found the original questions that I asked her. So we're gonna have a bit of fun, go back and revisit some of those questions. And of course, ask some new ones, because I think probably life has changed a lot since then, right? Would I be right in thinking that? Yeah, I can't even, yeah, I can't even comprehend what life was like at that point. So I'm gonna have to really rack my brains. It's <laughs> <laughs> all good, it's all good. It's not, it's not a memory test, it's okay, it's all good. But for <laughs> for those who didn't listen to our first one and maybe thinking, who is this Jackie Tomes? Uh, 
uh, give a brief intro to our, our listeners, our leveragers, uh, and maybe just explain where you are right now in the world and kind of where, why you're there. That'd be really great. Okay, great. So um, in 2014, after 18 months of not going out and working two jobs and not drinking wine so I could save up all of my money as much as possible, um, I bought the first investment property. Uh, that was for £108,500 with a 15% deposit, put the refurb on a credit card um, and got way too involved myself. Went to B&Q, Tops Tiles, like just did everything as much as I possibly could myself. Uh, after this, I figured out that you didn't actually have to do all... Well, you didn't have to do everything yourself uh, in terms of like you didn't have to go to the tip, but you also didn't have to save up all the money yourself either. And this was something I couldn't comprehend before that actually you could work with people who had funds, but who couldn't be asked to schlep around going on viewings and going to uh, B&Q and wherever else um, and that you could work with them. So thanks to that, we then scaled up very quickly. So over the next 12 months, we replicated pretty much the same model, again, another 10 times, whilst working full-time in market research. Uh, it was, it sounded like it was a really exciting time, which it was, but it was also absolutely horrendous too, because it was just like working 80, 100 hour weeks. It was mental. Um, we were really lucky because at a similar point that we started becoming very distracted and overwhelmed, we started working with a business coach who got us really on to a whole new track before we were just buying properties. And thanks to what the work that we got on track to doing with him and some other mentors subsequently, uh, we started to completely shift our focus. So from being completely scattergun and overwhelmed, uh, we then really narrowed down to what is a great strategy? How can we actually remove ourselves ultimately from the business? Because for us, the whole dream, the whole vision was to be able to go traveling like we love skiing. Uh, and that's where the whole idea was born in the first place was on a, in a ski resort back in 2013. So that yet yeah, now the portfolio is worth about six and a half million pounds now, over 60 units uh, owned and managed and we have off the back of the portfolio that we've built in Tomes Homes, uh, we now run Property Strategy, which is essentially helping other property investors who are going through lack of focus, struggling with overwhelm, don't know how to systemize, don't know how to hire, don't know how to step back, helping them to build a great property business that supports them with all of those things, that provides a great service that they can be proud of, but also that supports a great lifestyle at the same time. So I, I hope that's a good, in a nutshell, overview of, of us and where, 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 how we've got here. And I guess the um, more how we are specifically here is <laughs> coronavirus. Who would have thought that was um, going to happen? <laughs> so this, this year was a pretty magic year, should have been a pretty magic year, because <laughs> 2013, we went on a week ski holiday. And on that ski holiday, I went, oh, my God, I just wish... I had the ability to not have to go back to work and I could just like do a ski season. I could just go and travel somewhere else. I wish I didn't have to answer to anyone else. Um, and so this year, 2020, after much planning and kind of building up to it, we had 10 weeks away skiing booked and we were going into the, about to go into the sixth week of skiing. Lockdown happened. We're in Courcheval in the, in the French Alps uh, and everything closes um, and we've got a choice. Either we go back to the UK because uh, that's what they're trying to shoo us all away, or we just kind of stay. So we thought, hey, you know what, we'll, we'll stay. Um, and we extended and extended and extended, ended up spending another three and a half months from that point in the French Alps. Um, and then the lockdown started to ease. So we went, you know, either we could go back to the UK, like everyone keeps asking, or we could just kind of 
fill up our car full of all the jumpers and ski gear that we have and head where all people with a car full of that stuff would go to the south of France and to Italy. <laughs> so that's <laughs> where we now are. So we're like in the middle of an Italian road trip that we're going to be spending the next kind of um, eight, eight weeks traveling around Italy down the uh, down the west side all the way to Sicily and then back up the east side again and then eventually come back to the UK um, in September. So it's um, not at all the plan, um, but <laughs> I also feel very grateful. It's been kind of the litmus test of, of what we've been building. So, yeah, so that's us. Mm. Love that, love that. I was just about to say, was this part of the plan? So, yeah, I, I, I kind of love that because actually I think one of the focuses of our last interview we were talking about is this kind of hashtag holiday every six week. But now it feels like you're, what, only working every six weeks or something of the year? Is that kind of how now 2020's worked out? Is that? Uh, no, that's definitely not how it's working out. It's actually like coronavirus made us work harder than we have worked in a very, very long time. I didn't want yeah. to look back on the time that we've just been through and not feel that I hadn't done everything I could to make sure our businesses were in brilliant shape. But also, you know, we work with a lot of different clients in the strategy business just to bring them as close as possible and like look after them and make sure that they were okay and taking the right kind of action to get them through it. And also our wider community there, also our investors and our team, like there was just so many people to look after. And um, so for us, it was just like really step up and now's the time that you, you show how great you are. Um, and so, yeah, it has not, you know, everyone says, oh, how's your holiday going? And actually, we haven't been just like lounging around in the French Alps for four months. Um, it, it's been really, really hard work. And we're, you know, we're, we're not, the businesses aren't just static. They're very much in growth phase. So we're having mm. to be really strategic with our time for how we split between, you know, being able to sightsee and explore, but also to be working on the business too. So it's like ruthless efficiency and focus to be able to, to do both. So yeah, definitely still, still working. And the holiday every six weeks is not really a case at the moment. Like it's a whole different, mm. um, it's morphed into something different, but hey, it's, it's, it's fun. It's great. Holiday every six weeks is great. This is great. Don't make me choose. I'll do a bit of both. <laughs> there we go. That's cool. That's cool. I think, I think, you know, for everyone there, it's that balance, isn't it? That's what people are really aiming for. Yes. Like, how can they have that time freedom, the location freedom? And some of that, like I said, has kind of got taken away from them, but you've kind of used that to your, you know, your advantage right now that you were abroad and you're just like, hey, we can come back to the UK and it could be, you know, there's some lo lovely weather back here in the UK. We're very lucky, but equally I can now go travel because you've, you've set your business up that it means you have got that the choice and the freedom of like location freedom is that is that was that always important to you when you were you were setting this up all up and how long did that take to to get there what was that journey like yeah it has always been important like but first and foremost the holidays was important um mm. as the first step but actually the idea of being able to live somewhere else was always really exciting too so yeah we we have been really since 2015 we started wanting to go on loads of holidays um, when, and this happens to, I think, a lot of people in business. You start with this vision of what you're going to have. And we were like, we want to go on loads of holidays. And then you start building your business. We start buying loads of properties. And actually, you end up with like, it's even worse than a job because you are just working <laughs> so many hours. The responsibility is incredible. Uh, you can't stop. The phone always goes. Um, and actually, then you have to then <laughs> like claw your way back out from that point. Um, so, yeah, it's been a very much um, a focus. And so, yeah, 2015 was when we really realized that we were building the wrong thing. You know, yes, property could be a great vehicle, but the way we were doing it was 
it was a complete shitstorm basically it was just buying loads of properties with no real plan and infrastructure in place um and i think like there we we did get back within a, a reasonably short space of time to actually having holidays quite frequently um probably took a few years to start to get to that holiday every six weeks kind of approach uh, and obviously the holidays start more simple uh, for us it wasn't necessarily like luxury holiday every six weeks you know just being able to you know go camping or just go up to edinburgh like it doesn't really mean that you have to have this like you know a list lifestyle it wasn't about that it was just about freedom to be in different places um frequently mm. um and so yeah i think really in terms of not needing to uh, this if we'd have tried to do this last year we wouldn't have been in the right place to do it it would have been a lot a lot harder to do but but yeah so really what's that five five years, five and a half years um, of some very painful and stressful times uh, to be mm. here. Okay, so I think I'm always keen on leverage lifestyle that there's a mindset and there's also a skill set that go together mm. to create a leverage lifestyle. Um, and, and from our conversation and, and interviews, and obviously, you know, we are friends anyway, but from our interview two years ago, I think, you know, you would have described that you were living a leveraged lifestyle. But I think as as I've always described on this podcast, that it, it moves and it flows and it changes. But there is a, a mindset and a skill set that go kind of hand in hand to create that. So I'd love to get your kind of what sort of mindset you've got, a, you've, you've had or that shifts in maybe in your mindset to get to where you are now. And also some of the the key skill sets you've had to develop as well i think that'd be really useful for the audience to to understand i think it's something it is really hard like it, it sounds like you must just live this like life where it's just like everything's just really easy but actually you're right there's different mindsets but also it's like the mindset has to shift at different points so mm. the what's the the contradiction is that you you go on a holiday and you think i want to have more holidays i don't want to have to work a job uh, that's not what i want to do so then in order to be able to have more free time, you first of all have to work way harder. So you basically have to double up on what you're doing to ultimately be able to then start to work less hard. But so you have to work way hard in order to not be able to work hard. But the problem that I think many people, I see this a lot in the clients that we work with, they get to the point that they are just working so hard that it almost becomes, or for one, kind of a badge of honor, uh, how hard mm. you're working. Um, and also you, most people in the industry are working that hard. So you kind of think, well, that is the way that you men to do it. And people that you aspire to, you realize are working that hard as well. Um, and you also get into this habit of just, that's the way that you do things. So you can't actually stop it so it takes huge discipline to be able to then go well this is i originally wanted more free time now i have less free time but now i've worked hard enough that i've created income from my business and now i want to be able to start to actually enjoy some of that you have to take your foot off the off the off the pedal a little bit so i think that mm. is really hard to do um and having support around you to make that possible in terms of people who are doing that in the way that you want to do i think is really really important um so mm. that from a mindset perspective is one thing and one thing i'd also add would be our perception of what like hard work is and how hard you mm. should work and how many hours you should work that actually it's about just breaking that down what society has built us up to believe is the right thing to be doing and saying actually it's not about how hard you work it's about how smart you work and how efficient yes. you are with your time and the more uh i have you know we have a lot of free time 
but that doesn't just happen because we kind of hope it will. It's like ruthlessly crafted and protected in the diary. Um, <laughs> and it means that you do have really intense working days when you are working because you're just trying to get through so many things. Um, but just knowing that actually by having the time off, like Dave and I still talk about the business when we have days off, we're like going around the vineyard or like on a boat trip. Like when we're talking about the business, but not like, have you paid that invoice? It's like, could you imagine if we could do this or how great would it be if we could change that? Or have you thought about saying it this way? Or, you know, it's like big strategic visionary conversations. And actually mm. you can only have that by not sitting in front of your computer. That's not when the best ideas come. So bit of a long winded way to answer your mindset question. Uh, and the <laughs> skill set, I think there's some like, um, I, you use it as well, don't you, Katasana? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I we think do, using yeah. tools like Asana, like how you manage your calendar, um, how all those different uh, elements interplay, um, you know, we, we, there's nine of us in the team at the moment, how you work with your team across these different, <laughs> across the seas, like being able to, to work from wherever, <laughs> there's a, there is some particularly in this, this technological skill set that you need to have to be able to make that work and understand how these different systems work, but also support your team to make sure that they can actually use them properly as well. Because just mm. you know, being a remote team can quite easily mean that you're actually a quite crap team. So just making <laughs> sure that everyone knows how to use it and that they're being really used in a way that's effective for you. Uh, I don't know if that answers your skill set question. Yeah, I think so. I, th I think the other thing as well, um, it'd be quite interesting to know, uh, I know there's a couple of bits of, of tech that mm. you specifically have with you when you go abroad so that you can still work. Um, and I'd love if you're, if you're happy to to share some of those bits with with the, the listeners as well, because I think it's there's certain things you have to set up. Like you say, there's the diary aspect, there's the, the tech aspect, there's there's working on your mindset and, you know, think about how you can work smarter, not harder. But equally, there's a few tools um, and kit that probably help you do what you do. Like you say, the, the ski uh, gear as well, obviously stuffed into the car. Um, but what else helps you keep working and, um, you know, making sure your team is supported, connected, your clients are still served, things like that. Yeah. So I think uh, obviously like the having a great computer, like the, the, the my MacBook Pro couldn't do what we do without it. And it sounds really sad, but like, it's just my life and we're, we're like, we're paperless. So this is like everything. This mm. is my, like my paper, my, my system, my team, like it's all, it's all here. My clients is like a podcast, it's all <laughs> there. Um, so obviously there's like those things that, you know, really everyone has their own version of. Um, but I think some of the things you're probably meaning are like, uh, for example, our mini printer. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> um, I should probably grab it and show you it. Um, so yeah, we, um, if you're doing property deals and you're traveling that, I mean, I just really hope in a few years time this will change, but mm. some parts of that chain of buying property just love a good old wet signature. Doesn't matter if you have signed it virtually. It's nope. They want to see you take a pen onto a piece of paper and sign it and physically send that. I just can't believe we still have to do that, but we do. So um, our mini print is actually a really important part of the of the life that uh, that we lead. So it's about it's about this big, um, and uh, so yeah, we got just a little stack of paper and our printer, and then if we have to like such like a, a mortgage deed or a personal guarantee that kind of thing uh we just we print that out uh we we sign it um if it needs a witness you go and make some friends with some random french people or italian <laughs> people in the local bar um and then uh the, the, some of them to be fair you can actually then s do a scanned copy of that and we use tiny mm. scanner on our phone which is 
it's just as good as a scanner, a bit more annoying if you've got a lot of pages, but tiny scanner to just take photos of it, which, which then creates a PDF and that can be emailed if that's okay. Or alternatively, then you've got to schlep to the post office and try and figure out what that is. Um, so I think those are like two important pieces of being able to continue properties whilst being away um yeah that's probably the main ones that that jumped to my mind yeah no that's great I think that's good like as you say it's this whole idea of having a, a mobile lifestyle and literally just you know having the phone but as you say when you're doing something like you're doing and obviously a lot of the listeners will be in property or think about getting into property like yeah like you say there's still that need at times for that wet signature which as you say hopefully as I think you know times are changing people are working more remotely uh there's just going to have to be a, a shift to this kind of yeah like you say a digital signature and a you know when they've got all your identity documents and everything like that already it does seem crazy that you have to keep doing it but hey it's um it's useful right now and and maybe when we look back in the next couple of years it'll have all changed and that'll be amazing hey hope so <laughs> one last one last bit of kit to take with you um so i wanted to look back on a few of the questions i asked you so um we were looking at kind of what had changed from when you started to to then and i suppose the question then to follow on from that is like what is what are some of the biggest changes that have happened in your business in the last two years that mm. um you know, you're happy to share, you know, the growth or your growth, your business growth, the team's growth. What's kind of been some of those biggest, biggest changes? I would say there's been two main changes and one of the, um, something that's come off of one of those changes has been quite big too. So um, the first main change was, we went through a really tough time a couple of years ago, must be nearly three years ago now. Um, like we just went through this period where doing some projects or one particular project, everyone who could have possibly screwed us over, screwed us over. Planning, building control, um, structural engineer, builder, the finance wasn't great either. Like just everyone screwed us over and it was really, it was awful. Um, and it's one of the things I don't like about being in the property industry is that I feel and I felt it more then than ever that you're swimming in shark infested waters and you're just mm. like, this isn't, you know, like, this isn't, this isn't me. Like I'm, we, we're good people. Yeah. We have integrity. We want to do the right thing, do right by others. Why does, why do we not get the same respect back? And it was, um, it really questioned for us if we wanted to carry on doing property. Um, and so we kind wow. of of the mindset that maybe we just get things to a certain point, tidy up how everything's working, make sure it's nice and uh, streamlined, and then just let it carry on ticking away, but maybe we won't carry on growing it. Um, and actually the thing that changed following that was actually just needing a break. Like I think when you've mm. been that badly screwed around, um, uh, it, you, you just, yeah, we just, on the, we just burnt out from, from it to be honest. And actually then having some space to step back and, and not feel the pressure of needing to just keep going. Like we didn't have to, like we could have just had a nice little, little income from it there, <laughs> you know, go and live our <laughs> dreams. Um, you know, it would have been a, a decent life, but actually once we then started to get our energy back again, the inspiration mm. and ideas started to come back. Um, and this coincided with one of the biggest changes that we've had in the property business 
which is uh, that we brought our lettings in-house. So we used to okay. previously work with uh, an agent. Uh, we worked together for many years. It was, it was great. Um, but it just kind of, it was the right time. You know, things were getting more challenging. Our arrears were getting worse. Our voids were getting longer. Rents were starting to drop. You know, it was making me question, are we, has the market changed? And I was thinking maybe we have to shift everything. But actually, uh, we made the decision. We brought our lettings in-house. And it has just been a game changer um, in okay. terms of a number of different things. One is that it was directly responsible for influencing a way bigger vision, uh, which has excited and motivated Dave and I in a, in a way that I've never, never been motivated by property before. Property is not my passion, but what we found here is that if by bringing our lettings in house and being a self-managing landlord, but who is taking a professional approach to how that is all working from a team and a systems perspective and a service led perspective, we are doing something very unique in the industry because uh-huh. there's normally you you're either a um you know a, a larger organization that's perhaps doing that or you're kind of a self-managing landlord who's perhaps not doing things the most professionally or you go through an agent where if you're uh, if you're going through an agent you're kind of the client of the agent as the landlord it's not the tenant and what we realized yes. was that we given a a unique opportunity to be able to offer a higher level of service to the private rented sector because you know we're not making our money from from the lettings so therefore we can afford to put far more resource behind that side of it which means you can go way above and beyond from a service level which has just spawned a whole new excitement which is so our, our vision now for times homes is that we want to make renting better than owning because of how we focus on service. Uh, so it's not, you know, our properties are good quality. They're not premium, they're not luxury, they're just good quality. But what sets us apart is the service that we are able to offer and the, the systems and infrastructure that support all of that. Uh, so that has been amazing to reconnect with an excitement and see how we can, over the decades to come, start to make some change in the industry. Uh, and then the second part of the change that has come off of that is that suddenly there was a lot more money around to bring new team members on board. Um, so our team has grown substantially over the last 12 months. Um, so I think maybe a, a year ago, we were probably there's four, four or five of us and now there's nine of us. So that's like pretty massive growth. Um, and we've got some real great expertise in the team. We have had some team members change over. And I think now just the quality of people that are in our team and how well we are working together is something that is like, for me, one of the most magical things I've ever experienced, like having, you know, such a team of unique individuals who are we're working so hard to get everyone in their flow and working on what they're great at but also bringing us together behind a shared vision it's um we're a whole different level and it's it's wonderful and how we're able to on the property strategy side you know that learning that we're able to then pass on to our clients too is just a whole new level as well so yeah we've really we've really stepped up and i think dave and i are like the most happy and motivated uh that we've been in in years so i think that's probably the biggest change Wow. Love it. Love it. So there's a couple of questions that have come out of that, um, Sharon, and thank you so much for, for, for sharing all of that. A couple of questions for me. Um, number one, uh, what did you see lacking then that you have, you believe you can now make renting better than owning? I love that, you know, kind of catch-all summary there. Uh, that's, that's great. Uh, so what did you see lacking that you've now put in place that really you think is obviously going to shine through in the the value and the service that you're adding to your to your 
your customers, like you say, I love that, that actually you've, you've figured that out that, yeah, it's, it's so simple, right? But you're the client when you're the landlord, but actually it's the tenants, they're everyone, they're the ones getting the experience and, and they're going to stay longer. And Yeah, absolutely. And I think I hate that word tenant as well. I would love to just find a, you know, I haven't figured out what um, what is a better word for it yet. Because, you know, I think it still should be, yeah, they are customers, but what's that blended work? I haven't figured it out yet, but in due, in due course. <laughs> so I think it is, for one, being a company in property with values, as sad as it is to say, that is actually quite unique. We're not the only ones, um, but we are... If you are a business that's operating in that way in the property industry, you're you're part of the few, not the many. So I think for one, having that values for how we're operating and that feeding through everything that we do and that not being just some kind of hot air corporate spiel uh, mm -hmm. that it is for some some companies. Um, so I think that that's been really important. Uh, you know, we're using an off the shelf uh, property management software, so we're using Arthur, but it actually took a huge to actually set that up in a way that it's really uh, streamlined um, and actually delivers consistently, takes a lot of time. So it's been, uh, so Lizzie, who is our operations manager, she uh, started, uh, integrates properly with all the different systems that sit alongside that. So it's been that combination of getting the right kind of software and processes and fitting that alongside team members like Lizzie, who comes from a property uh, experience background, uh, alongside Lucy, who's been with us for many years and understands the, in minute detail how everything works. Um, and my dad also works with us too. And like bringing, splitting apart the roles that form how lettings operate and getting them doing the parts that they're great at, and the nuances around that, I think it's been, yeah, combination of the of brilliant people in the right roles for them working well together with the right kind of software and infrastructure and that talking to all the different individual elements um, and making it just a really seamless process for for the tenant um, to get from wanting to view a property to going to view it to the referencing process and just that being really streamlined and professional now you know making renting better than owning is a big vision and we're not there yet. There's plenty more that we need to do. Um, but just having that as what, you know, what for us success looks like, uh, I'm particularly feeding into that wave of, you know, other countries, they don't, they're not obsessed with owning like they, we are in mm. the UK. Um, and for us, like we, we rent, and I think it's brilliant, the flexibility that it can give you to change location and to upscale when you, uh, when you grow or to change because you get bored. Like there's just such amazing flexibility. Um, mm. And I think with, you know, some of the trends that are coming through um, with the next generation, it's owning is not the same thing as it was before, like renting, like the Airbnb generation, the Uber, you know, there's a big trend towards this. And I think property should fit into this. And if it could do it really well, like Airbnb does, like Uber does, then it should be, uh, it should be wonderful. But instead it's, um, it's not perceived in that way. And there are people doing really good stuff, but you know, we are politically vilified because there are some really bad operators that bring the whole industry down. So we just need to try and, shine brighter than those are and um hopefully we can yeah, i think probably in like terms of the hated levels in 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 the uk landlords are probably worse than politicians in terms of public enemy number one uh so uh, it'd be nice to change that yeah exactly and i think you know, like you say 
one tenant at a time or client or customer, however you want to describe them, is probably what it's going to take. But um, yeah, no, it's great that you're uh, that kind of leading light and um, inspiring other people to do the same, I'm sure. Um, and so the second question that came out of what you were saying there, and it's really interesting because um, I was being interviewed for a, a podcast yesterday and this came up for us. Uh, you mentioned that property is not your passion. Um, and obviously, you know, you're really successful in property. You're helping other people with property. So what would you say is your pas- passion? Um, what is it that you are wanting to do? And is is property essentially just that vehicle that helps you do that? Yeah, I think for me, this is where... So property strategy, which is our training and consultancy company that was kind of born out of Tomes Homes, but it wasn't just born out of Tomes Homes, it was born out of me. Um, and I, I couldn't have articulated it at the time, but there was definitely some kind of passion that was pushing me to go and do that. Like I, like I really love helping people. I love organizing things, like take, taking a load of chaos and making it all nice and organized. Like I really love that. Um, and then the more I do it, the more I realize that I love I love growing like in terms of what I love about Tomes Homes is growing that as a business, like making it work really well, getting the team to work really well together, implementing innovative ideas like it's it's business building. Um, and, you mm-hmm. know, I think I still haven't fully I couldn't articulate to you in one succinct sentence exactly what it is my passion is. But I know it's some kind of combination of those different elements, um, mm. which I think is why I'm just so happy at the moment, because I've got the, the Tomes Homes is in a, in a brilliant place to there's so much I'm like I can do and I've got this great support in terms of the team there too it's wonderful to have uh, Lizzie who's great at putting in place systems because I'm great at it but I'm I, there's other things like I'd rather see the opportunity to that something needs to be implemented or improved and work with someone who's great at implementing it like just being free yes. to have those ideas and uh, and then be able to work with others to actually implement that is like such a joy uh, so mm. yeah that's kind of where it's at at the moment. And then also then that's in terms of working with clients uh, who are who run property businesses and just being able to see them to go from like uh, a similar path that we've gone through, but you have a vision for what your life could be like. You then go and work really, really hard and you build this other job basically there's just so much to do you can't believe how much work you've created you've got loads of money flying around but somehow you don't feel you have got as much money as you thought you were going to have you want to have this nice life you're barely spending any time with your partner like this isn't the life that you wanted and to be able to Mm. take clients from that level of chaos and overwhelm and just being able to strip it all back to like find that focus make it all nice and organized, make it work well and get back to the heart of why that person started doing it and to light the fire again. Like that is wonderful. And I just love that. Um, so I just, that will always be there in some form or another, just for property strategy at the moment, we're trying to figure out, we just got such great stuff. We just have uh, a brilliant people that we've worked with. We've made amazing differences in the people's lives that we've been in, but we need to do more of it because the industry needs who we are and what we do. Um, and so we're just working to find out how we can expand that, which is also part of what I really love doing too. Like, you know, railing against the machine and how things work <laughs> just because something is that way doesn't mean that is the right thing or it couldn't be better. So yeah, that's, that's, that's where I'm at with the passion. And I think, you know, come ask me again in five years time, and I'm sure it will be a more succinct and focused version of that. I think it's such a hard, hard question like what your passion um and you just get there's so many layers that get put upon you as you go through mm. your life and you you have all this learned behavior and you do these jobs and you don't know if you really like them or not and you get a bit worn out 
and it just what you really love just gets lost amongst who you become which isn't necessarily who you are underneath it all um so it's it's like peeling back the layers of an onion <laughs> yeah I, I it's so interesting so i feel like every now and again like there's moments in time where and especially you know because we've been in lockdown and we've been through a very bizarre situation, I feel like a lot of people are going through that. Like, what is it that I really want to do? Just because I've always done this job or always done this. And it's, you know, people have been furloughed. People have, you know, being made redundant and stuff now. And there's a lot of change going on. And I do think, um, you know, people are trying to, like say, peel away that onion, find out and get back to the core of them. Um, so I think that's a really timely um, just talking about that in terms of passion and you know what do people really want from it and finding that and sometimes it's you know it's through the journey you find it right it's not um always immediate and it's always changing and it's always developing it will always evolve and i think as well for me the big shift that has happened over the last couple of years was um so i went and saw i went to a therapist a couple of years ago um, and i went to them with the brief that I wish I didn't want to be perfect at everything and I wish I didn't care so much what everyone else thought of me. And using that as a launch pad to go and explore those things that I felt were making me a bit unhappy at points um, and holding mm. me back, that's helped to get a lot more clarity and there's been a lot of changes um, in my life off the back of that, which has then, yeah, started to allow yourself to be more who you are and more happy with who you are. So um, yeah, I would highly recommend it as a process for everyone to go through. Cause the more I, <laughs> now that I've seen that in myself, I see it more in my clients too. And like sometimes when uh, you know, you're trying to make changes in someone's business and there's resistance, it's quite often because there's something like deep seated within that person that actually the biggest blockage in their business is them. Um, and just being mm. able to have seen how I wouldn't be here today. Like this, this is me. Like there's no, there's no bravado. You know, some people listen to this will really like what I have to say. Some of you won't like it. Some of you won't get me and that's cool. Um, but that just that confidence to just be me and to be comfortable with that. Mm. And I'm not seeking anyone's recognition. Um, I'm just, on a path to try and live a life that I'm proud of and that I love and to, mm. to make a, a difference and an impact along the way. It's just so glorious. Just please just go and do it. Um, because it will just, it change, it's changed my life. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And it's so interesting. Um, basically our, our business slogan is empowering people to live the life of their dreams, but actually it's kind of changed that of, uh, dreams sometimes seems a bit woo woo, but actually living a life you love, is a sentence I say quite a lot now. And it's, um, yeah, it's, and it'll, it'll be different for everyone. So, you know, we're, we're looking and, and talking to Jackie here and saying like, you know, she's traveling all over the place. I, I speak to people like, I just want to be at home and I just want to be with my kids. And I just like, I want to be around family or whatever like that. So I, I always want to say, and one of the things um, I've been having a lot of conversation about recently is like, when I speak to people and listen to interviews on podcasts myself is what I want to share with everyone is it's about the the steps and the mentality to get there. You don't have to do exactly what that person's doing to get there, but it's just like, take some inspiration, you know, take the bits you like, take the bits that work for you, give them a try and, and look, um, you know, if it's more about the freedom and the choice to then go and choose what you want to do with that freedom and choice, if that makes sense, like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Um, so in terms of you sharing, obviously, what had happened in the last couple of years, I, I was quite interesting. So I, I talked about, you know, maybe your first deal or what deal you'd learned the most on. 
Um, I'm just wondering if there's any, been any bigger lessons since. I mean, some of them you possibly shared in, in the answer to what's happened over the last couple of years. But has there been a big lesson that you're like, OK, I was meant to learn that or just through maybe going through, like you say, that that deal where everyone just seemed to just have it in for you and everything went wrong? Is it like, OK, now I've stepped away from that. OK, I was, there's some lessons I was meant to learn there. What is there anything you'd like to share? Yeah, I mean, I wonder how much on the path I was to learning this lesson last time we spoke. So maybe there will be some other lack mm. or like a quite di- maybe a slightly different perspective depending on where we were in that process. Um, I would say, hmm, I don't know why in property investing, the pinnacle of investing is conversions and developments. Why does everyone think that is when you've made it when you're doing those? Like, I'm that's what we thought like we were like we're heading towards doing these bigger deals turning something that's you know an old rundown hotel into like 10 apartments or whatever that's all we felt the track that we were on um and the first the first conversion project we did was a small project it was only to four units it was so hard and i think you can get swept up in how some people in the industry, how they position the risk involved in those kind of projects. And mm-hmm. it does annoy me um, how it's positioned sometimes that it's just, you know, doing a conversion is not just a bigger refurb. Like that is the biggest load of lies that twaddle. some of the, yes, <laughs> twaddle that I've, um, we've been told. And we were really lucky that we had the you know, combined tenacity, um, the market on our side, whatever, to, to get to get through that. Um, but I know that other people don't. And I think there's a lot of shame um, with others who go through a similar process to think that, you know, they, they, they want to do bigger projects. They've been told that it's not that hard to do. Maybe they're not even done any property, but actually they're like just excited by earning hundreds of thousands of pounds on one deal rather than 30 grand or whatever on a little single let. And so if the risk isn't that much higher and if you just get the right team in place and go for it and it's not that hard on the refurb, like why not, you know, why not go down a few hundred thousand pounds and then people go out and do that and you did it and then it doesn't go like it's been positioned but that you're told that's how it will be and I think people definitely feel a huge amount of shame and somehow they have failed in this and that they haven't done something right um, and I don't, think, I don't think I felt ashamed but I was really stressed out um and you Mm. you know it was really good to to, to learn the lesson of actually how much risk there is involved and we kind of uh you know there's things out there that make you think you actually you know if you're you're not taking these kind of risks then actually you're risking more because you're not putting yourselves out there and reaching your potential and going for it actually no there actually is a lot of risk like Mm. you, you you could be in a really bad situation if you overstretch yourself and is it really worth it? And do you actually really want to do that? And I think we had gone through what many people in property do, and I think very few people actually have a passion for property. M- mostly that gets wrapped up as, um, I just love seeing a transformation. That's what I often hear of the passion for property. Very few people is that actually the passion. It's just a post-rationalization of why they're doing property. And um, yeah, just realizing that it's not, it's not the pinnacle. There's a lot more risk. Um, if you don't actually love property, it just makes you hate property even more than you already hate it. Um, so that has been a huge lesson for us. And I'm really glad that we went through the stresses that we did in that project. But I have no wish to ever do that again uh, because it didn't it didn't make our hearts sing. It was all it was awful. Um, so I think yeah. I don't know if I've kind of rambled on a little bit there, but that's, that's <laughs> been the, um, the the biggest 
learning and I just really want to because I think what often it's like kind of positioned as this like ladder like you start in property doing like smaller projects and you then you do maybe an extension then maybe do like a HMO then a bigger HMO and then whatever and suddenly you're doing a hotel or whatever and it's like this is the ladder that you must climb to be successful who the hell's making this ladder anyway like make your own freaking <laughs> ladder like what's actually at the top of that ladder for you it's probably like being able to, to spend more time with your family or to like reach your potential or leave a legacy like it's not probably building a hotel or converting something into 20 flats for most people yeah uh, it's really interesting we went through some huge lessons last year and and some painful lessons equally and i have shared that on the podcast with people that you know uh us going suddenly really big and we thought we had all the foundations in place and I'm sure you guys are exactly the same you know having these foundations you've laid all of that and it, now it's like okay let's take the next big step and the next big step for us in our SA business was you know going for these big block deals and lots of properties in one go and stuff and and basically it was the killer of our SA business and you know I think uh it was one of these things that unfortunately it was also tip of the iceberg it was the chair on top of you know about 15 different things that just kind of came uh, one after the other. Um, but I think, yeah, we can all just be sucked into. And I, I did a podcast episode about keeping up with the Joneses, but not necessarily just in material aspects, but also that chasing that shiny penny of what the next person is doing for you, especially in property or business. Like, oh, well, if they're doing that over there, then that must be the next best thing, or I should be doing that then. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm really glad you shared that because I think it's all too some of us have to go through it, but then we don't want everyone to have to go through it because, you know, it can be painful. And if you haven't got some good foundation in place or if, you know, too many other things are going wrong at the same time or your your focus is being split for different reasons, then it can, you know, kill a business. So, yeah, I think that's really important. And so I, I think leading up from that then is what is some of the best or should I say the most common advice you find yourself giving to your clients in terms of the property strategy element? So this, one of the most common ones is that people are doing way too many things. Um, and it's really interesting because in, like, if you're investing in stocks and shares, um, you're probably thinking that you need to have a good diversified portfolio. Um, and uh, this is something that I think everyone logistically gets. Like, I want to have diversity. I don't want to be overexposed to any one thing. So therefore, I should diversify to lower the risk. Um, now, that is a good approach in stocks and shares. Like, you want to have diversity across different regions, different asset classes. Great but you're not actually having to do anything. Like you're just, hope, you know, hopefully you're choosing the right kind of companies. Obviously, depending on the risk of the types of companies you invest in, that would mean that you'd need to do more research. But if you're investing in like tracker, index linked tracker, those kind of things, like it's, you know, the, the risk is relatively low. At some point, some bright spark has taken that concept of stocks and shares and put it into property and said, in order to be diverse and manage your risk, you need to have a, lots of different things going on to, to, to diversify. There's another word I'm not quite thinking of the way, but basically it's diversify. And so that, I think that, like, that is a good concept. And don't get me wrong, it's a good concept, but the problem is the, the message that's being shared on that is being shared way too early for, for people to hear it. Mm. So if you diversify in the wrong way, you end up in, early, in the very early days, if you're just starting out, so we have three levels of clients that we work with. So we have those who are at the launch level, just starting out accelerate level where you're doing deals and you're making it happen but you're not working like a business so it's quite chaotic and then empire level where you're needing to put just the right infrastructure in place to, to really be able to step back uh, at the launch level we see that people are trying to in, 
implement way too many what we call business models at the same time. So trying to do single lets, HMOs, uh, and do commercial conversions all at the same time. And they're spreading themselves way too thin. It, the learning process is extended because they're not focused down one path. And ultimately that process to generate some income is really, really slow. Um, there are some really, really capable people who, despite having taken this approach at the launch level, they still get to accelerate level because they're just so capable and they're just willing to just do whatever it takes to get there. But then you essentially have ended up building a few businesses all at once, but you won't have had the time to do any kind of delegation most likely during this time or any kind of quality mm. delegation. You won't really have any infrastructural systems in place. So, and you've got three businesses, but you want to start to be able to step back. So being able to actually do that is so logistically difficult because you have too much going on and you don't have the income coming in to hire all the people you need to run all these businesses. <laughs> so again, it comes down to saying, what is the primary focus that we're going to really focus on this being the primary model? And maybe there's some short term focuses here too, to be able to get you to the point that you can get to that empire level. Well, then there actually is the resources to, to bring in the team, to bring in like proper systems and processes across everything. Um, so I think get the biggest piece of advice and it kind of changes what that advice really means, but it is to, to simplify and focus in order to go through the different levels of building a business as quickly as possible so that you go through educating, starting to build, seeing it grow, then being able to start to systemize it, scale it, and then step back. So being able to go through those different levels as quickly as possible mm. and not just hopping between different opportunities. Uh, that is, yeah, it just, it makes me really sad because I kind of have this delusion that I can educate people on this concept before it's even happened to them. And that's the approach I've mm. taken these last few years. Like I'm trying to say, this is what's going to happen if you do this. But the thing that makes me really mm. sad is that I just have to sadly let people just get to that point before they really believe me. Um, and I just have to hope that, yeah. you know, they are there and I can help them at that point and they don't just give up because of all of that. So yes, focus, do one yeah. thing. Don't, don't diversify too soon. Get one thing working well before you then start to step back and build uh, the next part, you know, and build that from what you already have. So they're like satellite business models rather than siloed business models. Yeah, I love that. And it, I'm jumping off here of, uh, it's one of our leverages, uh, Dave Hall uh, asked a, a question uh, for, for Jackie, and it kind of leads really nicely on from what you've just mentioned there. And he asked about, you know, it's very cliche, but if you had to kind of start over you've lost everything apart from your knowledge and obviously that's part of your knowledge is is you know keeping it focused keeping it simplified you know uh would you start off with the small stuff again would you try and go in for some of that bigger stuff it's interesting i mean i know he's talking about property very interesting what we've just talked about like what is that thing that maybe you'd you would start with and probably what you'd also share with a lot of clients or people starting in property and saying okay if we knew nothing else but what we know now and we have, you know, don't have the the investor list, we don't have the database, all of that stuff, but we know the know we know what we've been through, where would you start? What would you be telling to other people? I mean, if I was starting from scratch and I I'm assuming that I have this means that I've kind of I've lost everything. I don't have any I don't have any income. I have I have nothing apart from my knowledge. Yeah. Um just the knowledge. I I ultimately would want to get back to what we have now. Um, and I do like, like when it's worked and we've done it, it you know, I, I really like single lets. I think they're brilliant. Um, and I do like our individual single lets as much as our blocks are flat, but being a portfolio landlord, once you get past a certain point, you just like doing those individual units just isn't really a viability um, 
for us in that same way anymore. Um, but I would, I would probably start if I was desperate to generate income. I think I'd be looking at like maybe rent to rent being somewhere that we would start just in terms of like the speed to getting something mm. up and running. Um, that would probably be the route that I would, that I would go down and I would take, but that would just be like a, a short term sticking plaster to, to, to get, getting back and building up the portfolio again. Um, and I, I wouldn't know what I mean now. It is such a hard question. I, <laughs> I would, I would go into the block. If I had my same knowledge, I would go into blocks of flats or at least like buying, you know, portfolios of single let properties, um, just to be able mm. to move more quickly. Um, and I guess having the knowledge about how you can structure that and how you find investors and work with investors, I would, I would use that knowledge. Um, and you know, that, that would mean that we'd be able to go a lot, you know, a lot quicker than when we started this first time around. So I would definitely yeah. look at that. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I say, Maybe if I could make sure I could last a few months. Problem is, buying property takes such a long time that I think if I literally mm. had no money and I had nothing, I would do something. Imagine even rent to rent, you need cash to get started with. Oh God, it's a really hard question. Man, I need to go Isn't it just? someone. Isn't it just? <laughs> <laughs> this is it. Just like you know, live live uh, live somewhere really cheap. Just yeah, yeah, hunker down for a bit, save all the money. Yeah, make you know, go and network, I suppose, like go and make those connections. And I think it then slightly leads into Dave actually was a bit cheeky in our second question, but his name's Dave and we like and Dave, we love so Dave, that's so good. Yeah. <laughs> and we love Dave, yeah. Um uh just just in case uh Jackie Jackie's husband is called Dave, just in case that got lost in translation. Um <laughs> But he was saying, uh, and I think it's really important for anyone starting out, even people like later in their journey, is that getting over those maybe mental blocks, the imposter syndrome, when it does come to finding investors, looking for that money when you are just getting started. So even now you know a lot and, you know, in this scenario where you, you've lost it all, but you gain your knowledge. And I think a lot of people are starting in that sense where maybe they don't have the funds or the network, but they're, they've started to learn a lot. There's still sometimes that block that comes in. So is there any kind of top tips you can give around that, like how to get past that? Yeah, I would say... One of the biggest things that I've learned and seeing this in myself and my clients as well is that when you don't have any money, all you can focus on is getting money for yourself. So it becomes very much about me and what I need. And that's entirely the wrong approach to working with investors. Um, you need to put, that, put yourself to one side and say, what is it that I'm offering? Uh, you know, what, what can I bring to someone else that would be valuable to them? I think understanding what your what your service is, how you're serving, um, is is the way that you have to shift your mind to then saying this isn't about me and what I need. It's about what I can, the value that I can bring to others through the work that I can do. If that's all I have, is I just have my time. The work that I can do, I can bring something that someone else doesn't have. I think that if you can shift your mindset to that way around, you'll be far more successful when you are, obviously you've got to be in front of the right people, but if you're in front of the right people and thinking about it in that way, your just success rate just increases so much because you're just offering something that people want, solving a problem, serving someone's need. Mm. Yeah, love that. Great stuff. Cool. So I'm just going to go through a couple of the more kind of quick fire stuff okay. that again, we might I'm have covered last these. time. But, uh, <laughs> I just love it because 
I also just want to see like what's changed and how it's all changed. So w- what now is a leveraged lifestyle to you? Has, has that changed at all? What is a leveraged lifestyle to you? Exactly what I said last time, but leveraged lifestyle is being able <laughs> to work on your own terms and live you know, be, be wherever you are in the world and be able to, to run your business, to grow your business. Um, yeah. On your own terms. Nice. Yeah. Uh, that's cool. And in terms of, ah, uh, again, I just want to see, you probably won't remember it. So, um, I love asking this question. If there is just, there's a lot of problems going on in the world right now, but if there was just one problem right now in the world that you could solve, uh, you had your magic wand, what would it be and why would you be solving it? Oh God, there's so many problems. I I guess I, I've been very inspired by um, my husband, Dave, um, and his like musical background. And, you know, there are people of such amazing talents who, from a financial perspective, that, you know, that they don't have the resources that they need to go and do something to, 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 to easily live their passion because it you know being a musician you don't generally earn a lot of money but it takes a lot of money to to have the great uh, tools the great mm. instruments and things so uh, to be able to help people you know continue to bring great passions like this into the world and to take that mm. problem of money out of it uh, for someone to be able to bring those resources yeah some, something around that would love to be able to solve so i think just like, particularly in the uk like the arts and, and music is just such a a huge mm. part of our culture and what can make us great and bring everyone together um and just that there isn't the financial resources to, to to support it in the way that it should be so i'd love to be able to make you know help that continue to thrive yeah i think that's really beautiful uh, as someone who's very creative and artistic myself i think it's so true that yeah we need to, need to keep supporting that however we can uh, especially in these tricky times so yeah love that cool uh so i should be quick fire i'm not even being quick myself um (laughs) (laughs) what is yeah uh again it might have changed uh, a favorite software app that you just could not live without asana yeah just works done i think it's what i said last time hasn't changed loving your work asana i pay you for your services now and i feel good about this (laughs) there we go cool and uh question i didn't ask last time uh, because i think you've been to many more places in the world now uh a favorite place to be in the world it's just Mm -hmm. it's just got to be courcheval uh like in in the three in the three valleys um in france yeah just like the vision the vision board is an, an epic, an epic ski chalet. If I had to put down some some routes for fifty percent of the year, it would be there. Cool, love that, love that. There we go. I'm sure. Not well. It was quite interesting. We were watching some uh, "Don't Crack Under Pressure," which is a, a, a kind of adrenaline and uh, extreme sports on um, Netflix as a show, and there was some skiing on there. And Ella was like, "I want to do that." <gasps> Obviously, she's not even three yet. So. Um, Jackie might need to employ some of your services and uh, come out and join you there. In, uh... <laughs> Sounds like a plan. I better get, um, I better get making that ski chalet happen. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Yeah, sure. She'll be on you. She'll be on you. Uh, cool. So I just want to kind of wrap things up then. Um, what's really next? What is there any kind of message you'd love to share as well? Like what, what do you want to put out in the world, you know, to the listeners? Is there something uh, that we maybe haven't covered that you'd love to share before we kind of wrap things up? Hmm. So I would say that we, for us in the property investment business, being able to, 
you know, we've worked with a number of different investors over the last few years and it's, it's been great. And we, you know, we, we started to do our first five year investor reports and just seeing, you know, we've, we've provided great returns for our investors over the last five years. But one of the things that we've realized is that importance of balancing your head in terms of the investment, but also your heart as well. Mm. And that's something that we're really focusing on more and more. So Tomes Homes as an investment company, that is something that we are focusing on a lot more, making sure that those that we're working with come from that angle of this, you know, yes, it's got, you've got to have good returns. It's got to make sense as a business, but also, you know, it's about how that business operates in that wider community too and how you know how we fit into the landscape of the different areas that we operate in um, and having uh, making sure our, our partners our investors are, are totally aligned with that uh, so that's something that we're really focusing a lot um, at the moment and over the next 12 months so if that resonates with our messages anyone listening in terms of you know investing with your head and with your heart I'd love to hear from you would like wanting to talk to investors who or people who are investing in that kind of way so if that's kind of you yeah. and your uh you know resonate with that i would love to just have a conversation because we just want to make sure we're developing something that's you know really yeah special in that way uh and then with property strategy our you know, our focus moving forward is just continuing to build great property businesses uh, and to just help those that are maybe feeling disillusioned with where they've got to and building their business being overwhelmed um so that's you know we want to be the the best place to go to if you need help with strategic services in property so if that resonates with you too uh you know i'll make sure that you've got our website links and things to share just go and check us out you know we'd love to help and support follow us uh you know we've got okay. some of that insights and newsletters and things like that so if you want you know if you've <laughs> enjoyed my musings then uh i've got plenty more where you came from so uh yeah get in touch so good well i was going to say like where's where's some of the best places to find people obviously we'll put them in the show notes as well but couple of places that uh, people are best to go to, website or social media? Yeah, I mean, our websites, are, but both of them are great. So tomeshomes.com and property-strategy.com. Um, on stra- strategy, uh, the strategy website, we've got a scalability score. So it's like a 10 minute, it's free. It's a 10 minute assessment you can take if you're in property, how scalable your property business is. So you should check that out if that sounds interesting to you. Um, but yeah, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, I'm quite active on all of those. So if you prefer to connect on social, uh, then yeah, please do so through there. We'll, we'll, we get back to everyone in due course. <laughs> cool. No, it's great. And uh, no, thank you again, Jackie, for just uh, joining us and, you know, watching the beautiful scenery and vista behind you and um, feeling a little bit jealous. So yeah, it's, it's definitely inspiring. Get yourself to think, out okay, here, how, <laughs> Indeed, yes, indeed. Bring bring the two kids and um, yeah, you don't mind doing a bit of babysitting, you and Dave? Like, um, I'm washing my hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so good, so good. Well, well, thank you again. And it's been really fun just kind of catching up, seeing kind of the changes over the last couple of years and uh, so inspired by you and Dave, like it's brilliant. Um, and you know, very glad we're we're friends and uh get to be kind of part of that journey and seeing kind of what what happens with you guys so um yeah just thank you again for joining and um really appreciate you taking the time cheers jackie thanks so much kat see you soon bye cheers darling bye really hope you enjoyed my interview there with Jackie and as i mentioned at the beginning this would not be a celebration episode if we weren't giving away gifts so how you get involved because you are a subscriber you're already listening all you need to do is share this episode or share the podcast essentially with as many people as you can and tag me in on social media so that's facebook 
that's Instagram and that's LinkedIn. All of those links are in the show notes. Uh, Just for quick reference, Facebook and LinkedIn is Catherine Turner Speaker. And on Instagram, it's Catherine Ann T. And you'll find me there. Again, just check out Catherine Turner and you should be able to find me. And tag me in, share this episode. The whole idea is that we share the leveraged lifestyle message to more people and we get more people getting involved with this movement. So one winner is going to win, like I said, over £2,000 worth of prizes from me in goodies, in mentoring sessions with me and access to the Life Leverage Online Masterclass as well. Uh, We've never done that before. And so I'm really excited for that £2,000 worth of prizes. Plus, like I said, everyone who enters and gets involved is going to get some of our uh, content that we've never released before. It's been uh, kind of waiting in the the wings for this. And I'm really excited to give away uh, some of what I think is our best content uh, for those of you getting involved. And I hope all of you get involved because it's all about sharing the message And like I said, I want to reward you and celebrate with you and give away lots of good stuff. So make sure you get involved. Facebook, LinkedIn and Instagram. You've got from 7am on Wednesday when this episode goes live uh, until 9am on Friday. So, you know, get involved. Uh, It's all on there. 50 hours, five zeros to get involved. And uh, thank you so much as always. And thank you for being part of this two year journey. It's been fabulous. And as always, there is no better time than now to start creating your leveraged lifestyle.